isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Storm recovery hits a slushy snag. Plus the risk of freezing rain in the Fraser Valley that could make roads even more dangerous. White Rock seniors suffer in the cold. That's all I want, just to have some heat. The demand for repairs to stop them from shivering. And the looming risk of a transit shutdown. But our patience for Coast Mountain to take bargaining and our issues seriously has been exhausted. The threat from transit supervisors that could bring the bus and C-bus system to a standstill. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Well, the winter blast continues. More snow on Vancouver Island and parts of Metro Vancouver. And in the Fraser Valley, we have treacherous and deadly conditions. That's right. One person died after being hit by a snowplow this morning. And conditions are expected to get even worse with a freezing rain warning now in place for the region. Janet Brown begins our coverage tonight. What a difference a day makes. This was yesterday along 176th Street in Surrey. And this is today. In the Guilford area of Surrey near 152 and 104th, the big snowfall Wednesday caused this mess. Today, it is clear sailing. Surrey road crews appear to be making great progress. Even this cul-de-sac has already been plowed. Some roads are still covered in snow and slush, but conditions have certainly improved. Our crew's been working 24-7 uh, to clear the snow to make sure that traffic is uh, moving. And if you're wondering when your street will be cleared, there is an online snowplow tracker. Our snow tracker uh, will take you to a page that you can actually see your streets where uh, your priorities are. On Highway 1 from Surrey out to the valley, conditions quickly change. With icy patches and blowing snow across the Sumas Prairie in Abbotsford. This morning at 6, Abbotsford police say a car spun out on the highway and the 31-year-old driver got out. But while walking alongside the parallel road, he was hit by a snowplow and passed away in hospital. Police and emergency services arrived on scene, located a pedestrian suffering from critical injuries as a result of being struck by the plow. Uh, driver of the plow has remained on scene cooperating police. Uh, no impairment issues uh, at this time. Police say there were a number of vehicles that ended up in ditches and the highway median because of the snow and icy conditions. We all want to get from point A to B safely, so take some extra time on the roadways. And we're not out of the woods yet until temperatures warm up and we're back to the rain. Janet Brown, Global News. In Greater Vancouver, many of the main roads were much better today, but sidewalks and side streets were a different story. Our Travis Prasad is live with more on the challenges that left some in a snowbank and others spinning their wheels. Travis? 
Yeah, Sophie, how well you did on the roads today depended on where in the region you were. I mean, some side streets were in great shape while others were absolutely terrible. This street where we are in Coquitlam was just plowed about half an hour ago. So that's kind of been the theme all day long. And really, it's been the same story for sidewalks. I fall very easily. <laughs> Okay. At 92 years old, Burnaby resident Nancy doesn't get around as quickly as she used to, and the snow-covered sidewalks are not helping. I don't understand what it is when they can't clear up streets. This is a problem across the region. Some sidewalks are clear, while others, not so much. Where's the infrastructure? They don't have it here. Micah Cruzat just moved here from Winnipeg. A glaring difference, snow removal here, not as efficient. Which I understand because it's not normal for it to snow this much, but um, it does in Winnipeg and we, we get through it. The kids don't have snow days. Near 64th Avenue and King George in Surrey, some pedestrians are skipping the sidewalks, walking on the road instead. I can't walk on this. You can see there's snow like the knee height, so roads is the only option. There. As for the side streets, how they look depends on where you are. While some steer clear of it all, others have no choice. I feel like that, oh, it's very uh, not comfortable and I don't want to go inside. But I have to because I have to do work, right? This is the norm in Vancouver, where the city only plows a handful of high-priority side routes. Hilly streets are closed, yet some drivers try their luck. In Port Moody, neighborhood roads are mostly clear. The only problems we have are clearing the sidewalks when the plows come and, and dump it back onto the sidewalk after you've done it. Sometimes you think they don't care, you know? Yeah. It's certainly not promoting people walking, that's for sure. In North Vancouver, one resident is forced to clear the road herself. We have had absolutely no uh, snow service here for the last two days. Inconsistent walking and driving conditions have some calling on cities to do more. Mm. Well, Travis, we know residents are responsible for clearing the sidewalks outside of their homes. Is the bylaw being enforced, though? Yeah, no uh, tickets to tell you about right now, Sophie, but I can tell you that the city of Vancouver has received 120 complaints of snowy sidewalks and says after the storm, they do anticipate issuing some fines to homeowners. Those fines ranging from $250 to $750 each. Meanwhile, in Surrey, since yesterday, the city has received 35 complaints and over there, bylaw will first warn residents and then issue a $55 ticket. Sophie. All right, thanks for that, Travis Prasad, reporting live tonight. A number of snowfall warnings have been issued for Vancouver Island, including Victoria, and there are concerns freezing rain with that system could lead to flooding and power outages. Kylie Stanton joins us live from the capital, where the snowfall today caught a lot of people off guard. Kylie. Yeah, that's right, Chris. The snow started coming down this morning and really didn't let up until just now. And uh, while this storm brought with it its own set of unique challenges, officials warn there's more to come. One street at a time, crews work around the clock, trying to keep up with Mother Nature. We were making good progress into those residential streets this morning when the snow started to come back down. So we switched back to our priority routes 
uh, which included downtown core bus shelters, emergency routes and the like. With up to 20 centimeters in the forecast, snowfall warnings were issued for the better part of Vancouver Island. Greater Victoria bearing the brunt of the storm. It's really the headache of emerging out of all of that cold air that we've had. You've got to go through some transitions and this is kind of the second transition. We saw what happened over the last couple days and then again this today. Some are digging out, others digging in. A little bit of snow is not going to hamper us. Hockey day in Canada is plowing ahead, taking the snow off tents and clearing the rink in an effort to keep the event fully operational. I think it's just Saturday is our key day because that's the day we're going to, uh, you know, across the, the country broadcast from Victoria. I think it's important that we show that regardless of what the situation is, people will be able to get down here and enjoy the fun. The University of Victoria taking a bit of a different approach. Class is canceled today. Closing the campus midday. We get to go back to our dorm, chill out. I'm loving it too. I don't think we were expecting it to be so much and then it just doesn't seem to be stopping. All of it putting pressure on power lines. And now with the risk of freezing rain in the mix, customers are advised to be prepared for outages. It causes us grief when we have, if there's ice buildup on our lines, on our distribution lines, on our transmission lines, and certainly out in uh, areas where there's lots of trees. Speaking of grief, the fluctuating temperatures are wreaking havoc on the city's water mains. This one breaking Thursday afternoon. What could be the first of many. As the ground settles, uh, we have a significant amount of thawing to come. Uh, so, so we have a, a good uh, couple days yet before we'll be uh, maybe saying that this is a bit more behind us. With temperatures on the rise, the snow is set to turn to rain overnight, bringing back the West Coast winter we all know and love. It will eventually wash this all away. Now, after these past few days, I think everyone here will welcome that rain. But between the precipitation and snowmelt, there are some concerns about isolated flooding. And making matters worse, worse, the ground here is frozen solid, so none of the water will be absorbed. Residents are being asked to clear the drains around their properties so city crews can focus on some of the problem areas they're well aware of as they head into the coming days. Chris, Sophie? All right, Kylie Stanton in Victoria. Thanks, Kai. And senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now. Uh, Christy, Greater Victoria got more than it bargained for today. What do people need to know about the weather overnight and into the all-important commute tomorrow morning? Sophie, well, as you heard, for Vancouver Island, it's that heavy snow this evening transitioning to rain overnight, but it brings a risk of freezing rain. Now, Metro Vancouver does not have a snowfall warning. Our area has a freezing rain warning. So that's all of southern Metro Vancouver through the Fraser Valley. In terms of snowfall, we're really expecting minimal amounts, but it will happen over the next few hours. The risk of freezing rain, though, lasts a little bit longer. So we'll likely see that risk of freezing rain well into the evening hours for these areas. And then the further east you go, that risk of freezing rain actually lasts into our Friday. A good thing to point out because Friday afternoon, I know a lot of people will be traveling into the interior. It's really important you realize that uh, the Allison Pass, the Coquihalla, and uh, Fraser Canyon all under a freezing rain warning for late Friday. So that is right when everyone's going to travel. For Metro Vancouver by Friday, though, we're expecting rainfall. And yes, it will wash away. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Christy. Crews in the Okanagan, uh, in many Okanagan cities, are working around the clock to get their streets cleared.
That's Kelowna. Crews were out at 4 a.m. The city mobilizing its full crew of more than 80 pieces of equipment to tackle both the downtown core and residential streets. We've moved on to the priority three roads, which are the residential roads. So we're in your neighborhood. It's still the same equipment complement as that we had yesterday. So well in excess of 80 pieces out and about right town right now and marking out the local neighborhoods. But this, this will take a little bit to get dug out. We will we'll get to all the neighborhoods uh, within the 48 hours uh, allotted. Crews in Vernon are also working hard to clear away the 15 centimeters they saw there. The city asks drivers to move vehicles off the streets, and they say it can take crews up to 72 hours to reach all areas. Well, this has been an especially rough patch of extreme cold and snowy weather for people living in a White Rock apartment building. A large portion of the building that is mostly filled with seniors hasn't had heat since last Friday. As Catherine Urquhart reports, they say while they struggle to stay warm, the landlord is ignoring their cries for help. 90-year-old Odette Slezas has been without central heating for nearly a week amid record low temperatures. Warm heater, this nice warm blanket, and uh, I put the heat on uh, in, the, in the oven for a while until it warms up. And wearing warm clothes. Odette's daughter, Michelle, has flown in from Edmonton to assist. It makes me angry. It makes me sad. Um, I see my mom having to put up with this at 90 years old. 89-year-old Waltrop David is also dealing with flooding from a burst pipe. I came in on Monday and it was freezing cold in here. None of her radiators are working. A large percentage of suites at Furhaus Apartments in White Rock are without heat and have been since last Friday. We've got people, like I said, that are heating their units with their oven. We've got people that are using unreliable heating sources, and, and I really worry about that. So that's been something that my office has been working on, making sure people have access to heaters, to blankets, and we're going to continue to do that. But we need the people that are responsible for this to show up and fix it and fix it now. Rockwell Management runs the building. They did not respond to our request for comment. Something is not right with the boiler room, I heard, but... You know, it's not fair for the elderly. I just don't think they care. They just are after the money. As long as they collect rent, that's really their main concern. For Odette, who has paid rent here for more than 40 years, she's now pleading for a basic necessity of life. Give me some heat. <laughs> that's all I want, just, just have some heat, you know. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, there is no snow in the forecast for next week, at this point at least, but the Monday morning commute could still be extra challenging for transit users. Striking Coast Mountain bus transit supervisors are threatening to escalate their job action, set up picket lines, and bring bus and sea bus services to a halt. Aaron MacArthur reports. From stuck in the snow to going nowhere fast. Buses likely won't be running at all on Monday. Striking bus supervisors are ramping up their job action. A full-scale picket line going up around bus depots at 3 a.m. Monday. We regret the disruption passengers have been experiencing and that it will get more intrusive and challenging come Monday. The 180 supervisors, part of CUPE Local 4500, put forward a contract proposal on December 4th. 
According to the union, the company has not responded in any meaningful way to those proposals. At issue, working conditions and wages. If picket lines go up, unions representing bus drivers and support personnel will honour the lines, resulting in a full-scale stoppage of Metro Vancouver's transit bus fleet. QP 4500 says this job action will last a full 48 hours from Monday morning. That's going to screw me up big time. How so? Um, I have uh, some classes across the city that I can't get to, and I'm certainly not going to hitchhike. I go everywhere by bus. I gave up my car. Coast Mountain Bus Company responded with a statement saying it is disappointed the union has taken such drastic action, saying the union's demands are out of step, writing, it is unreasonable for this group of supervisors to demand nearly double the increase that all other CNBC unions have accepted. We're completely open to mediation uh, if the employer is willing to do so. The union says if the company doesn't respond by the end of the 48-hour withdrawal, it will reassess what options it has. An indefinite extension of pickets, a possibility. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. There's been a deadly spike in strep A infections in this province. Four children have died over the past few weeks. Keith Baldry joins us with more on the concerns and, Keith, really what parents should be looking out for to keep their kids safe. Indeed, health officials right across the country today issuing statements and warnings that we're continuing to see a continued and steady rise of strep A cases, particularly amongst young people. Here's the BC situation as sketched out by the BC Centre for Disease Control today. There have been three times as many infections in 2023 among people under the age of 20 than there were in 2022, going from 20 to 60. Four deaths, as you mentioned, Chris, sadly, the sad deaths of children under 10 since mid-December, including one this month, and an overall population, 120 more cases in 2023 than the previous year. Now, parents of young children, here's what you have to keep an eye out for. These are the symptoms of strep A for young folks. So if your child has a fever for more than five days, that's a warning sign. Or a fever that carries with it a fine red body rash. Also, difficulty breathing, a noticeable difficulty breathing. Pale skin, whitish or blue lips, and constant sleepiness. Or also, it's not on the, on the graphic here, but if your child gets very, very sick very quickly, that can mean that they've got strep A in serious cases. Now, it can be treated by antibiotics, but one thing that triggers a more serious case, if it comes out of a viral respiratory illness situation, it can trigger far more serious consequences. So the advice from the Center for Disease Control, uh, keep up to date with your vaccinations for both the flu and COVID to try to prevent respiratory illnesses from infecting young people. So a warning today, uh, this is a continued worrisome right across the country, and certainly BC is no exception. Yeah, and parents need to be vigilant. Thanks very much, mm -hmm. Keith. A battle brewing over the Vancouver Budget Task Force. It's supposed to be a fresh set of eyes on city books to make sure tax money is spent appropriately. It came up with 17 recommendations. And while the ABC majority sees a lot of value in it, other councillors say it doesn't add up. That's next on the News Hour. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD.
The Department of Fisheries and Oceans reveals widespread waste in commercial fishing. Why thousands of Chinook salmon are simply being dumped. Coming up, plus. I don't know of anywhere else that's got what we've got going, going on for sure. Vancouver Entertainment's hidden gem. Why artists are flocking to the mutton that's still to come. Right now, though, the task force appointed to take a closer look at the city of Vancouver's books has released its report into the matter. The findings call for the city to find cost savings and efficiencies. But as Alyssa Tebow reports, not all councillors are on the same page. Their job was to be a fresh set of eyes on City Hall's books. And now the report from the Mayor's Budget Task Force is out. A 33-page document with 17 recommendations. The authors saying they are aiming to address immediate fiscal hurdles and find clarity in the council's mandate. In other words, manage the city's finances better. Also look at ways for the city to make more money possibly by leveraging its assets. There's philanthropy, there's naming rights, there's partnerships. Councillor Brian Montague with ABC says examples could be naming rights on the city's ice rinks or putting private money into the aquatic centre. This is a, a facility that's literally falling apart. Um, why wouldn't we have some sort of a partnership uh, where we could actually deliver a world-class facility, again, without relying on taxpayers and fees. One city councillor, Christine Boyle, says those suggestions are concerning. And the idea that we would just sell some city assets is such a short-term solution to what is clearly a bigger, longer-term problem. The report also suggests reducing sick days for staff, finding city workers have an average absenteeism rate of 18 days a year, increasing to 25 days at the park board. If we can reduce by two or three days across the board, um, you know, we're looking at, you know, reducing property taxes by one or two percent. On spending, the task force says one of the key issues is the city taking on responsibilities traditionally handled by provincial and federal governments, known as downloading. Downloaded responsibilities are a challenge in virtually every Canadian city and a recent analysis found most of Vancouver's non-core spending goes to affordable housing and homelessness. And even more recently, the city has also increased spending on childcare. Childcare, affordable housing, these are important investments in our residents and in our economy. If we're not providing support for these real solutions, we end up paying for it in other ways anyway. The report will be discussed next week at Council. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. Business organizations are once again calling on the federal government to extend today's deadline to repay pandemic loans. As Kristen Robinson reports, they're worried the financial pressure could spell the end for thousands of businesses. It's been brewing for a while, but this is still a somber day for the co-owner of Honeybee Bruncheonette and another small eatery in Gastown. It's a pretty scary day that we've been, uh, I guess us and a lot of other small businesses have been dreading for a little while. Matthew Senecal Junkier took out two $60,000 SIBA loans. With no extension on the repayment deadline, he's opted to pay off the government loan with a TD bank loan. He'll protect the forgivable 40 grand, but will face high interest and mandatory payments each month on top of payroll and rent. That payment that's going to be coming due every single month, automatically drawn from your bank account, really sort of makes the business a little more precarious. Of the 900,000 businesses which took out a SIBA loan, 
The Canadian Federation of Independent Business estimates about 200,000 will miss the January 18th deadline. Those unable to refinance like Honeybee will still owe the full 60 grand over three more years, with 5% interest starting to accrue as of Friday. Their debt is going to increase by 50%. It's very sad that $20,000 in additional debt could be enough to close a business altogether, but, but that's where we are as we start 2024. Restaurants Canada fears widespread closures. More than 80% of the industry took out SIBA loans, and the association says about 20% of restaurants aren't able to pay them back. In a lot of cases, uh, small independent restaurants just don't uh, have the credit worthiness for the banks to do alternate arrangements that, that aren't really uh, high interest and, and ones that are, are going to accelerate rather than help them uh, in their demise. We're having record sales, but we're having record low profits at the same time. So, you know, cost of labor, cost of food. Senecal Junkier is still serving his customers as the costs of labor and food rise. Restaurants Canada is asking government to ease immigration requirements to address the worker shortage and curtail liquor taxes to help its members survive. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up, a whole bunch of dissatisfied customers. We receive hundreds and hundreds of complaints. A new champion in the Canadian telecom industry with the highest share of unhappy users. And we'll tell you where on the Lower Mainland this family of very healthy-looking cougars was spotted. Well, Canadians are increasingly unhappy with their wireless and internet providers, according to an annual report on telecom complaints. The report found quality of service remains a top concern. With more on the findings and which company had the worst showing, we'll bring in Consumer Matters reporter Ann Drua. Ann? Thanks, Chris. The Independent Ottawa-based Commission for Complaints for Telecom Television Services, which helps customers and service providers resolve problems, received 14,617 complaints. That's up 14% from the previous year. When it comes to consumer complaints in Canada's telecom and TV sector, service delivery and contract dispute issues are top of mind for customers. We receive hundreds and hundreds of complaints. The annual report by the Commission for Complaints for Telecom Television Services found for the first time in its 15-year history, Rogers emerged as the most complained about service provider. The Commission says complaints for Rogers increased by about 44% from the previous year, accounting for 20% of the total complaints for 2022 and 2023. There would seem to be a huge increase for them in the number of customers complaining about what we call service delivery issues, the quality of their internet or wireless phone service, and outages related to those services. Meantime, Bell accounted for 16% of all complaints received and saw a 7% year-over-year increase, while TELUS accounted for 12% of all complaints received by the Commission and saw a 43% jump year-over-year. As for the top complaints reported to the CCTS, billing for wireless customers was a key concern. That's typically where the rubber hits the road when people get their bill and they see there's something on there that they think shouldn't be. Rogers told Consumer Matters in a statement, a very small percentage of Rogers' interactions resulted in CCTS complaints. And one complaint is one too many, and we're working hard to make sure every interaction we have with millions of Canadians every month is seamless. 
Bell stated, we have decreased our share of industry complaints for eight consecutive years, and our overall percentage of complaints per number of subscribers is among the best in our industry. While TELUS said, although we lead the industry with the lowest complaints amongst national carriers, we know we can do better. Still, if customers have complaints, the commission says it wants to hear from you. The report also found more than half of the complaints received were about wireless services. Internet and TV each made up about a quarter of the complaints. And if consumers have issues, you can always file a complaint with the CCTS. All the information can be found on its website where there is an online complaint form and it's free. And if you have a consumer for issue, me, issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Sounds good, Anne. Thanks very much. Well, BC's goal of moving to the sale of only zero-emission vehicles by 2035 is being met with skepticism. According to a new research co-poll, 54% of British Columbians believe that goal cannot be achieved. Nearly 60% surveyed agree with the provincial government's decision to move to EVs, while 34% disagree. And more than half of British Columbians surveyed say they would be less likely to purchase an EV because they are too expensive. Others have cited concerns about being stranded, fearing they would be unable to find a charging station. Is the reaction of the over 55 uh, population. Um, they are exceedingly worried about uh, hopping in an electric car and not being able to be where they have to be. They fear becoming stranded. We don't see this type of situation uh, with those who are aged 18 to 34 or those who are aged 35 to 54. So one of the key demographics for policy, which is the over 55s, is not reacting very well to this. Research Co. says the online poll suggests BC's campaign to push toward EVs isn't working. I don't know. Try getting a spot at a charger around here. There's a lot more electric vehicles now than when we got them yeah, five years ago. There's something to it. All right, up next, wasting a primary food source for killer whales. Big, big nets uh, towed behind these big boats. They capture everything in their path. Why thousands of healthy Chinook salmon are caught and then discarded. Next. And four, count them, four wild cougars out for a late night stroll in the neighborhood. They call home coming up. A proposed gravel pit in the Okanagan is raising some serious concerns, with a lot of opposition from people saying it's a terrible idea. The operation is being proposed for a 72-acre property in Summerland. Many are worried about the impact on wildlife and the environment in general. Among other things, they say it's a prime migration and wintering habit, habitat for deer. When you look at these deer, when they migrate in the spring and when they come back in the fall, they literally go on the exact same path. Impacting habitat to that extent where we essentially destroy it, um, it has a, a huge impact on these deer that are essentially imprinted to walk in the same trail every single year. There are also concerns about increased truck traffic in the area. A number of other groups and Summerland Council have also expressed their opposition. The final decision rests with the provincial government and opponents of the project are urging people to contact the Ministry of Energy and Mines. It is the lifeblood of coastal indigenous populations and the only thing resident killer whales eat. So you might be surprised to learn thousands of Chinook salmon are being needlessly wasted. Paul Johnson reports on the proof from the Department of Fisheries that this critical natural resource is being wasted by the commercial fishing industry. 
Chinook salmon, the biggest and most highly sought after of our salmon species by both anglers and our endangered southern resident orcas. Countless programs have been launched to revive the many runs that are struggling, which is why conservationists were alarmed about this. Throughout the whole fishing season, they caught over uh, 28,000 salmon. 93% of those were Chinook. Pacific Wild Marine Specialist Sidney Dixon is talking about this. A recent study by DFO on how many Chinook were inadvertently being caught by BC's trawler fleet as it fished for other species. It was the first such study of its kind. And Pacific Wild says a Chinook bycatch of more than 25,000 fish is both significant and ought to be reduced. This is a huge issue because they are the primary food, food source of our critically endangered southern resident killer whales. And Chinook salmon in and of themselves are a threatened or endangered species in many places in southern British Columbia. The BC Deep Trawlers Association, which represents the industry, said they're aware of the issue, but said the high number was likely due to an abundance of Chinook during the study period. And they say they have plans to change their techniques and deploy new technology to catch fewer Chinook. As for the study, Pacific Wild is applauding what DFO did and would like to see more of them. Imagine what we would find if they started doing enhanced monitoring for other economically, culturally and ecologically important species on our coast, like Pacific herring. Paul Johnson, Global News. Coming up, comedy keeps them laughing. Instead, I'm just going to drink the rest of the hot sauce. The underground club that's become a haven for comics, artists, and photographers on a budget. And in sports, the Canucks' key to success now, and hopefully in the playoffs, why everyone is getting the credit. Cove is known for its proximity to nature, but one resident wasn't expecting this scene last night. Alex Milton spotted four cougars in the area of Banbury and Cove Cliff Road at around 11.30 last night. The animals were strolling down the street before ducking into a yard. Cougars are typically a solitary animal, so it's thought these particular cats might be a mother and her cubs who usually stay together until they're around two years old. I think they've been eating well. <laughs> they look quite healthy. Newcomers to the neighborhood. And uh, they're right. there for, for Honey's Donuts, no doubt. Like everybody. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, Christy joins us now with a look at the weather and still some problems expected uh, overnight, Christy. Yeah, particularly through the evening hours for Vancouver Island. Look at the big flakes that are coming down right now. So snowfall warning remains in effect. It's overnight that you'll see a transition to rainfall, but it could continue as snowfall in a few pockets. Uh, significant snow also in through areas like White Rock, so southern metro Vancouver. And here's a look at the reason why we're continuing to have outflow. That outflow seems to be impacting southern metro Vancouver, whereas northern regions, we're just not seeing that snow. And that will likely continue for another couple of hours. A big warm-up, though, is expected late evening. We'll see a transition to rain. And don't forget, during that, we have a risk of freezing rain. We've already had reports of some freezing rain through the Fraser Valley. This is at 10 p.m. at night. Just to show you, though, although we're going to warm up in Metro Vancouver, the snow will likely continue in a few pockets across Vancouver Island. And it's not until the really morning hours that we'll see that transition to rain and it all washes away. Risk of freezing rain. This is really important. You realize we have a risk of freezing rain for the Fraser Valley. In fact, the warning's in place. Um, so 
Fraser Valley, but for Metro Vancouver, it's southern regions through West Fraser Valley this evening mainly. But that risk continues well into the morning hours for central and eastern portions of Fraser Valley. And really important, tomorrow afternoon and evening, a risk of freezing rain from the Fraser Canyon all across the Coquihalla and Allison Pass. Again, that's right when everyone will be traveling or trying to travel into the interior. So a freezing rain warning is in place. Coquihalla, Allison Pass and the Fraser Canyon. Meanwhile, for uh, the South Coast region, we are going to warm up back to near seasonal values. However, that risk of freezing rain continues throughout the day and through especially central and eastern portions of Fraser Valley. Tonight's central windows weather window comes to you from Port Coquillum. The Gladue family sent us this photo and I'm not sure, Squire, I do not see a Canucks jersey in there. Hmm. Maybe it's buried beneath the... Uh... Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. But wait a minute. Oh, is there one behind, behind Seattle? Seattle, yes. Yeah. Behind oh, that's Seattle. right. It's behind the Kraken. Oh! But it's an oh, old there it is. Canucks jersey with the Vancouver over the top of the whale. There you go. I uh -huh. got it. Why was Way that? to go, Gladue family. Good eye. I know. It's a lot of money that went to the NHL there. Very cool. <laughs> All right, Squire, what do you have coming up? All right. Speaking of the Canucks, the Canucks are back home tonight. And even after that great seven-game road trip, the mentality is don't think you're too good. Keep trying to improve. I think that helps. It really does. Instead of, you know, having riding the roller coaster, I think we're more even keel. Yeah, one of the reasons the Canucks have been so consistent is secondary scoring. So we're going to take a look at that. Sounds good, Squire. Thanks. Also tonight, we're trying our best to keep the scene going. The best kept secret in comedy in the Vancouver 20-something who turned it into a thriving hotspot. When everybody can share in the success, and that's what's happening with the Canucks lately, Square. It's the Canucks town. Mm -hmm. If they lose, everybody's upset. If they win, if they win, everybody's happy. And they're back home tonight to face Arizona after that great seven-game road trip where the Canucks did win five games. And of course, the old adage is that teams are vulnerable in the first home game after a long road trip, but the Canucks have been immune to that this season. They uh, have yet to lose the first game after a road trip of three games or longer. And uh, one of the reasons is the fact that the Canucks have something that every team wants. Everybody always says, we need secondary scoring. In other words, goals from the third and fourth liners. The Canucks have that. And Barry DeLay is at Rogers Arena to tell us more about that. After their two-week road odyssey, the Canucks are back at Rogers Arena for a five-game homestand that will take them all the way to the All-Star break. The Canucks are 14-4-1 on home ice, one of the top win percentages in the NHL. But it doesn't matter where they play the games. The Canucks' bottom six has been very consistent, bringing energy and production. They have 46 goals between them. You don't want to be relying on just a handful of guys every night. And I think kind of we got to make sure we stay true to the kind of foundation of our game and just keep working and having those good habits and staples that we talk about that I think lead to creating chances. And I think if you put yourself in position to get chances, you know, at some point, you know, things will start going in for you. It shows, you know, how good our depth is. And also those guys work so hard at their game. I'm uh, usually the first guys out there, last guys off working on scoring, working with the Sedin. So it's good to see him get paid off this year. You know, you always think of the big guys, but those guys, if they can contribute and can they play their role, you know, when they don't play for four or five minutes, you know, there's power plays, penalty kill, and then they go out. That's hard to do. So I have a lot of respect for those guys. 
And with the bottom six being consistently productive, it's allowed Taka to roll four lines. That keeps everyone engaged in the game and also prevents the top line players from overuse, keeping them fresh down the stretch and into the playoffs. Yeah, I think it helps us uh, play the way we're trying to play as a team. You know, we want to like go short and hard shifts and keep the pace up. We want to keep pushing the pace and play fast, play physical, and it takes a lot of energy to play that way, so it helps if we can roll them over. Canucks certainly won't take any opponent lightly. The Coyotes are in the wild card hunt. They're just four points behind Nashville for the final playoff spot. And of course, Rick Tockett used to coach the Coyotes, so this is one he and the team would like to get. From Rogers Arena, Barry DeLay, Global Sports. Jim Montgomery and the Bruins against the Avalanche. Two teams just one point behind the Canucks and the Jets for tops in the NHL when it comes to points. David Pasternak had three goals in this game, including this one in the opening minute of the contest. Bruins win it, so they now have 63 points, one better than Vancouver and Winnipeg. The BC Lions have re-signed three receivers this week. Keon Hatcher, Alexander Hollins, and today Javon Katoy put his signature on a three-year contract to keep him from becoming a free agent. He had a big 2023, 57 catches, 807 yards, four touchdowns. He's one of these guys who just keeps getting better every year, so it was very smart for the Lions not to let him go somewhere else. Amex, first round. Uh, this is Adam Hadwin. At this tournament, when it was known, I think, as the careerbuilder.com back in 2017, he had a 59 and finished second that year. Uh, today, he started things off with a seven under par, so he's three shots off the lead. Nick Taylor, minus four after 18 holes. Roger Sloan of Merritt, a bit of a rough start. He was plus four. And this is sad news. Canadian pole vaulting star Sean Barber has died from what's been described as medical complications at the age of only 29. He was a world champion in 2015, five-time Canadian champ, still holds a Canadian record. Never won an Olympic medal, but did get a gold in the Pan Am Games and silver and bronze at the Commonwealth Games. He had been sick for a while before passing away yesterday at his home in Texas. Wow. There you go. So young. All right, thanks, Squire. Thanks very much, Squire. Coming up, a, a hidden gem for comedians and anyone who likes to laugh. Why the Moton? No, Martin. not the Moton. It's the Moton. <laughs> is a must-see. Jordan Armstrong standing by in the newsroom with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie will update the freezing rain warning for the Fraser Valley. Troy Charles will have a live report at 11. Plus, you really have to wonder what this person was thinking. These photos were taken yesterday in Port Coquitlam and sent in by a viewer. So it begs the question, how often do police on the local traffic beat encounter this sort of thing on snow days? We put that question to one officer and we'll have the answer at 11. Sophie? I hope it's not that often. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> hope so. All right, there's a new underground comedy hotspot in Vancouver where a lot of the action happens in the middle of the night. That's why it's called the Motten. Part tattoo parlor, part theater space. It's run by a young man with no comedy experience at all. Jada Rant shows us more on This is BC. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. More of a stand-up fan than a funny man himself. I've never once wanted to be a comedian. That's never been an interest of mine. I actually have terrible stage fright. Austin Jameson has gone to great lengths to build his own comedy club. I just felt like there needed to be a studio space that was going to be for people that were just starting out. Like, we're going to make the outside inside. <laughs> the Modern in Vancouver is Jameson's second club launch. His first space hosted all types of events. 
We had office parties, bachelorette parties. We had hip hop ciphers every week. Just over a year after opening, fire from a neighboring unit destroyed the room. This really sucks, but I know that what I have done here involved a lot of hard work. These kind of scars and bruises that I've got on me now are going to be able to help me in whatever it is next. But that entertainment community he supported quickly came to help. Within 24 hours, we had something like 1,600 people reshare it on Instagram, and we had hundreds of donors that were all helping us out. Less than two months later, construction began on a new and improved studio, renting a spot that also has a tattoo parlor in the front and a podcast studio in the back. I don't know of anywhere else that's got what we've got going, going on for sure. So I call it the parkour update. This fantastic venue, what an amazing place this is, right? And word's been getting around. When I go to different comedy festivals, I'm having people come up to me and they know who I am, which is beyond ridiculous because I'm just some 23-year-old just setting up a comedy club. There's only a few remaining ones even in Vancouver now. Comedy is not about being funny. It's about winning. We're trying our best to keep the scene going and keep supporting this kind of amazing craft. Thank you very much. Good night. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you have a great story to tell, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. That one guy looked like Chris Farley, you pointed it out, and yeah. he had just downed a bottle of hot sauce. When he, that's why he was what? having... Yeah, wow. oh. it's crazy. He kind of, you know who he kind of oh, reminded me of very quickly? A very old comic named Avery Schreiber. Oh, Schreiber. to look that one up. That one up. Final word on weather before we go, Christy. Sure. So uh, still some snowfall for southern Metro Vancouver, particularly at risk of freezing rain. Southern Metro Vancouver, east Metro Vancouver through the Fraser Valley. But otherwise, a rainfall tomorrow, everyone. I know a lot of you will be looking forward to that. Back to normal. Let it wash <laughs> some of what I shoveled away. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Good night, all.